Welcome to Discomfort Zone, a podcast that explores the leadership journey. We are a group of women from all corners of the globe who are avidly excited by the leadership journeys of women around the world. We're coming together to have conversations about what it means to be a leader, who can be a leader, exploring what the leadership self-growth journey feels like, delving into how emotions can empower leaders, exploring diversity in leadership and more. No matter who you are or where you're based, we welcome you to join us on the leadership journey. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Discomfort Zone podcast. Today we're considering a new leadership, authenticity, vulnerability and empathy. Together as a group of women from all around the world, we'll explore why vulnerability is so hard, how we can manage trust when we want to create it and when it breaks, and also why difficult situations call for greater empathy, greater humanity and greater authenticity. Joining us today, we have... Hello, my name is Anna Madlena. I am from Berlin, Germany, and I um, currently work as a marine robotics engineer here in Berlin. Hi, my name is Charlotte Francesian. I'm an ecologist and I'm working at the French Office of Biodiversity. And my research focuses on population dynamics of migratory birds. My name is Monica Green. I'm living in Bowen Heads, Australia, and I work in the School of Education, focusing on environmental and sustainability education. Hi, my name's Linda Mulvihill, and I live in New Zealand. I'm a scientist and a lawyer who's passionate about sustainable agriculture. I work in the dairy industry, decarbonising how dairy products are made. Hi, I'm Nirvani Devcharan. I live in Cape Town, South Africa, and I work in information technology. Hi, I'm Nancy Glenn, and I live in Ketchum, Idaho, in the mountains, and I'm a professor of remote sensing science. Hi, I am Amy Figueredo. I am living in Switzerland, and I work on environmental policy, sustainable development policy, and sustainable urbanization. Hi, my name is Carol de Roussel. I am from Switzerland, but I live in Germany, and I'm a marine scientist working on high seas biodiversity conservation. I'm Jo Sumner. I live in Melbourne, Australia, and I work at Melbourne Museum. I manage the wildlife frozen tissue collection and um, manage the, and I'm a herpetologist. I study reptiles. Hi, all. My name is Judith Jimenez Sainz. I'm based at Yale University and associate research scientist, and I work on female cancer from a biochemist point of view. Hello, my name is Christina Baltudis, and I am in North Carolina in the United States, um, and I am a veterinarian. I'm Lori Lapat, and I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm an environmental engineer for the woman-owned firm Matrix New World Engineering, and I'm also an adjunct professor at Arizona State University. Hi, I'm Priyanka Rashkakati. I'm an Indian origin French. I stay in Toulouse. I'm an aerospace engineer who's doing a PhD currently in GNSS technology, and on the side, I'm also an artist. Hi, my name is Rachel Villani. I'm a wetland scientist and I'm based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in the U.S. Hello, my name is Hu Xi and Cici is my English name, if that's easier. I'm from China and I work on infrastructure systems modeling and climate adaptation in the U.S. My name is Felista Malaki. I'm a Kenyan based in Nairobi. 
I'm an ethnologist by profession and I work with the National Museums of Kenya. Hi, I'm Roshni Sharma. I'm a spatial scientist living in Sydney, Australia, born in New Zealand and originally from Fijian Indian heritage. Thank you all for joining us today on this extra special episode of Discomfort Zone. Today is the second episode of our virtual voyage for Homeward Bound 5. And today we're delving into why the leadership journey involves vulnerability. We're going to kick discussion off with why is vulnerability so hard, whether it's in our personal relationships, our professional lives, and sometimes even with ourselves. I think vulnerability is so hard because you have to really let, as we say, our authentic self be seen to everyone. And I think just speaking a bit more personally, I think that sometimes it's hard to kind of merge those different parts of your life, whether it be professional or personal. And that takes a bit of coming to terms um, with what you want. And to do that, I think you have to be vulnerable and you have to kind of get out of this comfort zone. So I think it has a lot to do with how much you're willing to take that leap to kind of bring those two parts of yourself together to be more authentic. This is Rachel. Uh, I find that vulnerability is really hard for me at work or at home or wherever because I find that I'm afraid of what the other person might think or say or if they're going to judge me in some way, even if it's someone I've known for a bunch of years and should know how they're going to react. There's still that little bug in my head. Maybe they will think this is dumb or think whatever or judge me or not like how I'm reacting to something. And so I, I just find that to be scary because of that. First and foremost, I think vulnerability in most cases is confused with weakness. And this is a mindset that we probably need to get off our minds and look vulnerability as a powerful tool for personal and professional growth. Vulnerability is a sign that we are alive and human. The fact that we belong to different cultures, we possess different skills and experiences, and our levels of thinking are diverse is basically what makes vulnerability hard. This is because of the different attitudes and perceptions and the expectations from the outside world. We tend to set our own boundaries based on what other people expect from us. And sometimes we find that we are not able to meet those expectations. We forget who we are and what's best for us. Since we want to dance to the tunes of other people surrounding us, we seek and depend on others' approval to accomplish our mission. Many of us struggle with vulnerability because of fear. When we resist vulnerability, we are listening to a voice that tells us that we should not be open, a voice that tells us that we cannot make it, a voice that tells us that I cannot be as strong as my partner or as strong as my colleague at work, a voice that brings me down, a negative mindset, actually denying the people close to us by not allowing them to fully know us. We fear we will be hurt or rejected, but vulnerability actually draws people in. So we need to look at vulnerability from a positive approach. The fact that I'm different from the people that surround me, the people that I interact with, should not make me feel inferior or underestimate my potential, rather should be. This should be a motivation to strive to be a better person, to be a better me. I believe we all have unique strengths that we bring in our personal relationships and professional lives. Hence, we need to be strongly embrace vulnerability. The notion of vulnerability, I think, for those of us who are used to pushing through, crashing through and getting things done at high levels can be a really curious thing to contemplate. But I know for me, particularly this year with COVID and with the chaos that 
emerged in my work circumstances, particularly working with a lot of young people in the university system who had lost jobs, had moved home, really suffering major mental health kind of challenges. I found myself actually folding into my own vulnerability alongside them, like it was a really great opportunity for me to not so much lead in that way, but to be very authentic in my role uh, as their lecturer. So it was really important to see that opportunity and embrace it. I've learned a lot from that. And I think it's really important that others can see these sides of us. I think it makes a lot of sense that vulnerability is so difficult because it can feel sort of dangerous because you are admitting in some form a weakness. And there's the the question of, am I going to be okay? Is it going to be safe for me to reveal this information about myself or am I going to get hurt? And I think that vulnerability is recognizing that danger and that risk and saying that you're going to take that risk anyway, but that can be a very scary thing. Vulnerability is really important to show with my students and my employees. I want them to learn that it's okay to make mistakes. The only way you can really learn sometimes is by making mistakes. And I um, push the people, my students, and say, I want you to come back at me. If you don't agree with my idea or how I'm explaining something, push back at me and we both can learn. We can never stop learning and that will only make us better. So I really try to encourage people to um, step outside their comfort zone and that makes you more vulnerable. Hi, this is Nancy. I think vulnerability takes a lot of risk and typically we're not trained to be risk takers and especially perhaps scientists in academia that risk is not commonplace. And so if we're not trained uh, to take risks, we're probably not trained to be vulnerable and show our vulnerability to our students or our colleagues. And I guess there's also the idea of imposter syndrome. And if you have imposter syndrome, then it would be very difficult to be vulnerable at the same time. And then lastly, I'll just say, at least I feel in the Western US, you know, the ethos and the environment is, is that you're tough and um, you get through things. And I think that that also is a barrier uh, to, to being uh, vulnerable. Nirvani, I agree with everything that everyone said. And I think specifically what Nancy was just saying, you know, when you're being vulnerable, it could be seen as a sign of weakness. And when we are younger, I mean, I know when I was younger, it was kind of being instilled in me, don't cry, don't be seen to be a baby, you need to be strong, you need to be brave. And it's having to almost put a face up all the time. And you know, that's the way our culture was and that's the way we were brought up and over time you get to realize actually it's fine it's it's fine to show up and show your true emotions and be who you are and be your authentic self the other thing i just wanted it's a quote from Brene brown and all of us on homeward bound have heard a lot and i think for me it really resonates and it says vulnerability is not winning or losing it's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. And I think that kind of summarizes what we're all talking about and being able to take those risks. And it isn't really a weakness, it is who we are. I was also going to pick up on this notion of vulnerability being a weakness. So I really second what Nivani just said, that we grow up and are surrounded in university and in workplaces with this notion that if you're vulnerable, you're weak. And that's kind of the problem. I think that it's so not a weakness, but so hard to overcome 
that initial thought of it being a weakness. And I find it particularly amazing that we have so many professors and lecturers in this group right now that you valued showing vulnerability, especially in times of COVID, towards your students. Because for me, for example, the first COVID wave in the spring was when I was writing my thesis and I was so vulnerable and I had to take that step to show that to my supervisor, my professor, but I was so afraid how that would be perceived. And I feel like there's still this difference between vulnerability of admitting you don't know something or admitting you made a mistake. Someone said, don't be afraid to make mistakes. That's for me, one part of vulnerability. The other part of vulnerability for me is really like how I am doing psychologically and emotionally. And that's a completely different part of vulnerability that I find very hard to share, but incredibly important to share because I cannot work. I cannot productively do my task if the other person or who's helping or who's supervising me or my coworkers don't know how I'm doing personally. But that's also a very triggering potential topic to share with others. So that's why I find it really hard, especially when other people don't also share it. Hi, it's Cece here. I'm finding this fascinating because I actually thought it was a cultural thing where coming from China and where we grew up with like extreme competitiveness and you're told that you can never fail and you have to score. At least in my case, I always had to get like 99% in all of my tests to feel worth. But I'm finding all of these ladies here that you guys are saying the same thing. You have this, I don't know if what you guys think about the idea of like culture. Some cultures are more harsh on vulnerability and whereas you know my upbringing in the UK was slightly better but it's still quite harsh as well so I'm yeah I'm finding this really fascinating hi it's Priyanka for me I first want to answer the question why vulnerability is so hard so it really a very specific case to our situation as women in science in my case a woman in France who's not originally French Already there are all these biases and prejudices against gender or color. You're supposed to showcase that you're so good that everyone else can overlook these prejudices to hire you for your PhD or for a job, etc. On top of that, if you show vulnerability of for due to, I don't know, something that happens, life happens, you know, you can have a health issue or you can have um, an event in life that rattles you a bit and you're not able to focus on your work. Then on top of that, you're supposed to answer to everyone else that you're also affected by these things. If you don't have supporting advisors or uh, people at work who are able to understand you as a human being and not as a categorized person as you know, a woman, a woman of color, etc., vulnerability becomes really hard to admit to, you know, because you don't want to come across as unreliable just because of an event that's happened in your life. Moving on to uh, she's remarked that some cultures tend to be a bit harsher when it comes to admitting to vulnerability. Uh, I've seen this mostly in Asian cultures where as an Indian origin woman, I've grown up in India, in Delhi, and as a woman, I had to answer to everyone in society, be it family or relations, or even in school that despite being a girl, I'm, I'm able to do this or I'm able to do that. On top of that, I cannot afford to be vulnerable because, because of the fear that someone else will be given that job. Des despite being uh, a better candidate or uh, more fit for the job, but just because of all these prejudices against me, I feel like I have to rise above them first and then admit 
admit to being vulnerable. So I think that's why being vulnerable is so hard, especially in certain cultures. I just wanted to just go back quickly to some of um, what was said earlier. And I wanted to touch upon safe space. And we kind of started talking about it. And I think vulnerability is so hard because we feel many times that we don't have a, a safe space to speak in. And I think that Homeward Bound is an amazing opportunity because uh, we have this safe space to talk in. And that I think for, uh, I think many of us, I feel like I can speak on behalf, is, is so, so giving because in so many spaces, whether it be in our private or in our professional lives, we don't have that safe space to talk to each other about things that are important to us. And I think being a good leader is about creating safe space so that people can speak, so that they feel comfortable in speaking so that their voice is heard. So I think the vulnerability has to be there, but being vulnerable is being brave. I know it's something that we probably need to change, but to really put yourself out there so that people can see you and hear what you want to say is very brave. But I think us as leaders really need to create this uh, safe space so that people have that opportunity and can share their, and their concerns and their ideas about how to make things better. I guess my sense of vulnerability comes to the fore most, not that I'm worried about being wrong, but that I feel vulnerable when I'm, when I'm right, when I'm putting myself up as the expert, that that's, that's when I feel the vulnerability. It feels like it's slightly backwards to how it, it normally is, but I think that that's where I find it hardest. So giving academic talks, I'm terrible at them because I'm up there being right and no, so, but I quite like that we're encouraged to be more personal, putting ourselves forward. I am right about me. I do know myself best. So that's helped me in being confident about being right. Hi, this is Kyore. Thank you all for the comments and, and to share all the good things that, that you're sharing here in this safe space. For me, vulnerability is very hard because I didn't grow up with it. Indeed, I didn't take a course, uh, and I don't think many of us took a course about how to be authentic, how to be vulnerable. I think we took courses on math, physics, biology, and all the stuff. And I think later on, right, we all realize that we are all vulnerable because that's kind of nature, like human nature. And we all ask for being authentic because it's as well a way that we all can connect, a way that we can all bond together. So for me, I mean, when I go back to my childhood, my high school, I didn't have a course. I didn't have a way to talk to people without feeling, oh no, I'm making a mistake. Oh no, maybe I know too much, as you say, Joanna. I know too much, but I can I can express it. So for me, that's what, what it was missing when I was uh, little. And I think problems like the one that we have now and, and other instances in our life are bringing that, that importance for leadership and how being vulnerable, being authentic, it creates that kind of uh, connections with other people that they are in the same situation or in other ones. And it can push out that kind of uncertainty of what's going on when you are vulnerable. Because the reality is, as Nancy said at the beginning, it's, it's a risk that we are taking. And we have to forget about that uncertainty of what's going to happen next, right? So for me, that's my personal experience. It's really hard. And I would say, and I will add with the, with, to the topic of cultural difference, I don't know, it's a very interesting topic, but even I grew up in Spain, I would say that it's pretty different perhaps uh, Asian culture, I don't know, but uh, I had the same experience. I, I didn't I didn't experience um, a training or a safe space to be vulnerable. 
Hi, it's Carol. I really like the discussion. I think it's a very important one. And I agree with everything that's been said. I wanted to add a bit more from my personal experience in a, in a professional setting. Vulnerability is something, as everyone has said, that's really hard and it's really risky. And it makes you look like you're less competent in some kind of way. Because as uh, Amy was saying, you need to be authentic. You need to show that vulnerable side of, of yourself. But I found, at least in my experience, that by trying to do that, by being the first one to you know, be in one setting a bit vulnerable and inviting others to do that, that we managed in our team to create more meaningful connections, more trust, that we also had then a better like team spirit. And also what I found very important is that support, that if someone is not able to do something or if you can see that someone is not doing well for whatever reason, you know, mentally, emotionally, whatever, it's easier to talk about these things and get things done. And I found that at least work-wise, including that vulnerability within our team's understanding was a very important way of making sure that we could, you know, move forward with everyone on board and really delivering on what we needed to deliver without, you know, losing anyone. So I thought that was really important. I really liked the comment about making sure that leaders really create that safe space. And I really do believe in that. I think we need to be the first ones to really create that space for people and encouraging that by really being the ones yeah, doing it. So really showing that vulnerability. I also wanted to just add on that, that vulnerable doesn't mean that you have to spill the beans on everything <laughs> or be open to, to everything. But I think offering a safe space for people to talk to you and share some of the concerns they might have, you know, in, in the professional setting, any circumstances that need to, to be talked about is super, very important. And maybe one last point that I find also personally very difficult is um, I've lived in different countries where, you know, people speak different languages. And as Cici was mentioning, there's of course that cultural, the cultural differences between the country, but also the language. When you have to show your vulnerable side, you need to use sometimes a, a language that's not yours. Like for instance, now I'm speaking in English, it's not my mother tongue. Sometimes you don't really find the right words. And for me, that's the particularly difficult part because I do want people to understand you know, what's going on or how I feel or the things that are problematic at this point in time, but I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable or use the wrong words. And that's always something that's extremely difficult because especially for these very difficult uh, conversations, you need to find the right words to express yourself right and also to make yourself understood. It's Charlotte. Thank you, Carol, for raising this example of vulnerability. English is not my native language, neither. And I do make a lot of mistakes when I talk or write. And unfortunately, it doesn't allow me to participate to some recordings as I'm ashamed that my mistakes will be recorded. Or to see it differently, I don't allow myself to participate or even to sometimes speak in a group when I feel like tired because I'm afraid I won't be clear and thus annoy people. <laughs> it's the second time I participate to this podcast. Thanks to you, my Homeward Bound sisters, and thanks to your kindness, Roshni. Uh, it's because I feel safe in this group and that allows me to accept my vulnerability and to try to go beyond it. And just a small example, but this is actually a general rule in a safe environment. We have 
space to accept our vulnerability and turn it into going out of our discomfort zone. And for me, that's an important part of the role of a leader. A leader has to offer this security, even with our vulnerability, then whatever we choose as a definition of vulnerability, whether it's skills or emotions, as you said, Anna, I think you can really be yourself in such a secure environment. And I'm convinced people make a better job if they feel comfortable saying they don't know how to tackle a challenge, how to deal with a new analysis, or just saying their emotions and explain the professional or personal difficulties they face. Anna here, to pick up on one of your points, I think having just entered work life, I feel that I am craving those situations or those relationships with my colleagues where I know more than when they arrive in the office and when they leave. But working in a very male-dominated sector, it just feels like I don't want to also surf that prejudice and that stereotype of being the person who brings the vulnerability into the workplace, but it will be so much easier in general when we have role models showing us the vulnerability and displaying it and, and showing that it's okay and you're not going to lose your job or lose the election or whatever if you're showing your vulnerability and if you're showing your mistakes, etc. Especially this year, I found the best leadership was always displaying this vulnerability, this authenticity of, I have never had this situation before. We don't know. We, we can't tell. I'm also scared. I feel that in many places still leadership thinks it needs to be the strong person and have a clear mind, and clear goal. And that's impossible to create the space where role models and leaders actually display vulnerability. That is the most important part. I at least feel like I'm not in that kind of position at all yet. So I don't feel entitled to even start. Hi, it's Linda. I don't really have much additional to add, although to say that I agree and just want to reinforce a lot of what everyone has already said in this section. Um, I've found that when I've opened up and shared something that has made me feel uncomfortable, made me feel vulnerable that I've actually got quite a positive experience from it and those relationships where I've shown that vulnerability have grown they've got that depth and it's built trust. Thank you all. I think that's a great place for us to pivot into our next question which is about trust. Trust is a nuanced, fragile, yet incredibly powerful thing. How do effective leaders build and maintain trust through authenticity? I think trust is so important in both our work environment and our personal lives. Trust is built on honesty. And when you start losing trust, it's so hard to rebuild it. I try to make sure that all the people I work with, my employees, my students understand that they need to be honest at all time. Just a quick example, a couple of years ago, I was giving a speech to probably more than 500 people, public people, about an environmental approach that was being done in Arizona. And it was a new innovative one, and I was giving data and a presentation. And my client came up to me right before it said, Lori, I don't want you to talk about the positive results. We really don't want to do this. This is going to cost money, so let's not do that. And I looked at him and I said, I'm sorry. I need to tell the truth. I'm going to present the data 
as they are, and then people will make their own judgments. And in the end, in the end, if you lose your own credibility and your own honesty, I think that can be very damaging for the rest of your life. So I really try to instill that concept of being true and honest to yourself and to others. Hi, this is Nancy. I completely agree with everything that Lori said. And I'd just like to add that I think that trust goes hand in hand with vulnerability too, right? Is, is that thinking about in the student context, when students can see us as advisors or mentors as showing vulnerability, then they themselves can let their guards down a little bit. And, and there can be, I believe, more mutual trust between two people in that way. The other point that I wanted to make is that I think a way that leaders can build trust and maintain trust is following through on actions. It's Amy. I just wanted to delve into or maybe dissect a bit trust and what it means. And I know many of us have, have heard different definitions of trust. And, and there's one that obviously our wonderful Brene Brown has given us. But there are lots of different pieces of trust. And I think something that Nancy was talking about a bit now and she was talking about trust and in the reliability piece right and so to trust someone you have to make sure that they're there for you and that you're reliable as a leader there's also other things about trust that i think are, are really important and being accountable i think as a leader you have to be accountable for your actions and people always say as a leader you need to have integrity and that's like another piece of it so i feel like trust just as a word is really bloated as you say so there's all these other pieces of it it's also that safe space that people can talk about things with you, but you're not gonna go share them with everyone else, right? It's, it's about having that. It's about not judging of someone else when they're in this space that you, you know, they would like to share something with. It's about being generous with your time and with also with your listening and to not overstep your boundaries when, when someone is sharing with you. So I think trust is links very well, I should say, to vulnerability in that you have to trust someone to be vulnerable. And as leaders, we need to create this environment where people feel like they have all of these pieces of trust. And I think a lot of times people don't share or don't express what they feel because they feel like they don't have trust. Because it happens all the time. People just decide not to speak because they just feel like they will be judged by whoever they're speaking with, their team or what have you. So this is Priyanka. I just wanted to add a complimentary anecdote to what Nancy said from the point of view of a student. So I really had a very strange experience with my PhD because I started it three years ago from a hospital bed after three weeks of coma. And in my third and final year, then I thought, okay, this time I'll just sit down and concentrate on my PhD. We have a global pandemic. So it's been a weird time. And I am extremely grateful that my own advisor, he opened up to me with his own examples of how he had faced a similar situation when he found himself extremely vulnerable. And the very fact that he did open up to me and this establishment of trust between him and his student, it also encouraged me to uh, you know, gain the courage to overcome these difficulties and carry on with my PhD, regardless of all these um, impacts. And so I really agree that trust is very, very important in a leadership position. This is Nirvani. Some of the words you know, been associated with trust around honest, credible, integrity, non-judgmental, and I think some others I'd want to add on to it is around 
being consistent in your honesty and your relationship and the feedback that you're giving your team members and also being transparent. You know, when you're giving feedback, even when the news is not good news, it's best to just be honest and give direct feedback um, and give it in a constructive manner. It just helps build the relationships that much more. I started a new job last year and similar to Anna, my team is pretty much males. Is a group of males that have worked together for many, many years. And I come in as an outsider. And how do you break into that circle, but also be their team leader and gain their trust? And just having honest, direct conversations one in one as a team. And as a team now, you know, we have really tough conversations between ourselves. But when we go out and face other teams, we are so united. No one would guess the struggles and the tussles that we have behind. For me, I think what's really been so important is that those tough conversations and, you know, we understand and we know one another, we've given one another the space where we learn about one another, that we have sufficient trust that when we go out and when we're dealing with anyone outside of our team, we know that we've got one another's back. And that for me has been a huge milestone, you know, just to break through that bond that was there, I guess, and be part of the group where as a team, we are seen as one and we trusted, but it does require work and you, you have to keep showing up and be consistent and make sure that your engagement is always honest and true. Hi, it's Christina. I also wanted to say a little bit about giving feedback and as a leader, the role that giving feedback has in developing trust with your team, because I've been on teams, been in teams that are both ways, but I have been on teams where, you know, the leader wants to give very general feedback, vague feedback, non-specific feedback, not really tell someone what's wrong or what's bothering or what things that they've done negatively. And I have seen that backfire so many times because then later on down the road, it gets to a point where the behavior is not tolerable anymore and they end up having a severe reprimand or being let go or whatnot. And they're just utterly blindsided. And obviously that person would not be able to trust the leader, but the other team members wouldn't either because they've seen what has happened. They've seen that if the leader's willing to withhold information from another team member, that what are they withholding from them? So um, that was one comment. And then one thing that I am working on myself, I just really struggle with boundaries. I think that's probably true for a lot of us going from what I've read from all of you lovely ladies that I want to say yes to everything. I want to tell everyone yes and help everyone and do everything that everyone wants me to do. But when I do that, I can't be trusted to follow through with all of the things that I've said yes to. And so drawing really clear boundaries and saying, no, I can't do that because of this reason actually I think does help with developing trust or maintaining trust through authenticity, basically saying, you know, I value you and I value the question that you're asking and I value what you're asking me to do. And so I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I can do it because I can't. Hi, I'm Nancy. I think that because we are all so on edge, especially in 2020, so much has happened globally that having empathy really can diffuse situations and everybody is really, well, I'll just speak for myself. I'm, I'm not at my best during these times. And so if we're not at our best, 
then we really have that tendency to be over the tipping point. And so I think having empathy through listening, being present, taking each day at a time, putting yourself in other shoes, being patient with others, and really thinking how they may be feeling or how they may be reacting to news or to situations in today's world, I think is really important for us to show care and community. And with those, I think that we can really move forward. And I think that leadership without empathy, especially in today's world, is really, really a failure. It's Linda, and I'd just like to share something that I heard the other day from Mike King. So he was awarded New Zealander of the Year in 2019 for his mental health advocacy work. And what he shared really resonated for me both personally and professionally. He shared that children need to see their parents showing the full range of emotions to show their vulnerabilities, to show when they're having hard times, to show when they don't know what to do. They need to see that their parents are not perfect and that that is okay to see how you address those challenges and that you can get through them. And I think that this applies equally to the bigger people in our life as well as those little people that we lead. That it's really important to show that vulnerability and to build that trust through that authentic leadership, which isn't always the good things. Thank you so much for sharing that. It leads us into our last question for today's episode. When we face into leadership in difficult situations where there's no clear win-win, or sometimes with a range of stakeholders with different needs, it really requires empathy. How can empathy diffuse rather than escalate in these instances? And why is it such a vital skill for leaders today? It's Nirvani. I just wanted to add on to what Nancy said. So absolutely, I think empathy is important in leadership at any time, but certainly during the time of COVID for the last few months, it's certainly the need to have empathy as a leader has become a lot more critical. If I think back to, so I'm in South Africa and just before lockdown, well, I think uh, some of our organizations in South Africa thought that we're immune from COVID and the virus would never get to us. So for a large part, everybody was in denial. And when there was, you know, there was talk of starting to work from home, a lot of organizations were very reluctant to have people work from home because there was this perception that people were not going to be productive. And, you know, us as leaders, we needed to ensure that on the one hand that our teams could work from home, could be safe, be home with their families and work from home and be productive and still meeting the needs of the business. So it was really needing to understand the needs of our teams. And during this time, you had to look out for yourself, your own needs, and then be able to relate and help your team members still be productive as well as lead, you know, in this very difficult time, but have this family life, everything else that they had to manage at home as well as being productive. I think those leaders that showed empathy really shone above everybody else. And that transformation took a little while for, for some leaders, but you could see that now if you go back to these teams, the situation from six months ago to now is fundamentally different. So it's been, yeah, empathy right now. And if nothing else, this is a skill that COVID has taught all leaders they must have. It's Anna. I entirely agree. 
I read a quote a couple of days ago, right when the whole second wave started in Europe that said, if you as a leader or as a boss are afraid of having people work from home because you think that they won't work and won't be productive, it says a lot more about you as a leader than about the people working for you. Because either you don't have the trust in your employees or you don't have the empathy for their situation that indeed they just simply cannot be as productive because they have kids, they have difficult situations, etc. And to bring that a little bit to the broader question that we're talking about, I'm thinking that if every leader of our world, if every politician, president, chancellor, etc., was empathetically feeling every citizen's life, they will probably surrender and give up because that's an impossible burden to bear. But also, if they did, it would be impossible to ignore the pain and the struggles of every person. And it would be impossible to keep up some legislature or some rules, etc. So I always wonder if some leaders actively choose not to be empathetic because they know it would change their course, it would change their values, it would change their principles. So again, that's something they would have to be vulnerable about, to say, actually, if I think about it, if I take a step back and, and look at the situation differently from someone else's point of view, I actually have to retreat what I've said for the last 10 years or one year or whatever. So again, it's about being vulnerable but in my view, empathy is something that many of us, like someone said earlier, haven't learned really, because that's not something we are taught in school. And if we're unlucky, we are not taught that at home either. And it's something so hard to learn and to be open about. And in the end, kind of makes a circle and comes back to you and says more about you than it does about someone else, maybe. Hi, it's Amy. I just want to touch upon how vital and I feel like fundamental um, empathy is to leadership. Because I feel as a leader, you need to really understand what the reality is for the other people that you are supposed to be leading because their reality is what they believe. So if you don't understand that perspective, how can then you make the right decision or come to a decision with them or a collective decision if their perspective isn't something you understand completely? To understand where people are coming from is vital to any type of leadership and as a leader to be able to say, I don't have all the right answers and I don't know, but we're going to sit down and we're going to figure this out together. And I'm feeling how you're feeling, or I understand how you're feeling. I think that that is really critical to, to a good leader, but just to leadership in general and echoing a lot of what the other contributions of the other participants that in this time, in this pandemic that we're going through, we're seeing that those empathetic leaders are the ones that are seemingly the most successful or having the most success. Linking the empathy with the vulnerability, and I'm just thinking about what Carol said earlier is her story about her team, they were vulnerable with each other, therefore that built connection. And them being vulnerable with each other also made them more empathetic to each other and to each other's situation. And therefore it brought them closer together. And so I think that it's all linked, it's all inextricable. I think that the three topics that we are covering today, vulnerability, trust, and empathy are essential for leaders. And I think they're they are really important. And and that's the leader that I want to be. Hopefully, I already have way there or more. But I want to ask you this question. Do you think now it's easy to be empathic or empathetic 
when we are working virtually and seeing firsthand in the lab how the scientific discoveries are much better when people trust, like the team trust each other, they have empathy going on, they have even fun and they're vulnerable, so they admit the mistake and they move on. But now that we are all looking at a screen, right? How can we make sure as leaders that people in our team or even people in our cohort uh, are like, how can we be safe and be empathic through our screen? Perhaps that's the question. I struggle with it and I'm worried that perhaps 2020 and perhaps 2021 are, are, are kind of affecting these, these good traits for leaders and, and perhaps we just need to come up with other, other ways of being empathic through our screen um, because we can go with our team for a walk or for a coffee or for a lunch together. And I think those instances are, are essential for just show who you are, show what you feel and then I don't know, connect with your team. So yeah, that's a big question. Someone has that answer. It's definitely a big question, Judith. Yeah, this is Rachel. What Judith said about connection had me thinking because we spend so much time, or at least how I feel, my dog thinks I spend so much time talking to my computer <laughs> and not her. And that it's hard to like have those in-person connections, like you said, to go for a walk or whatever, where you could like relieve tension in person if you've like had a rough thing, something rough just happened at work or whatever. But you can't do that because we're all apart. So I, it seems like, I don't know how you build connection in this virtual world so much. It's not as easy as like, hey, let's just go grab a coffee or whatever. But I think that having connections helps us build empathy so like sort of to bring it all the way around and you almost, you almost can't have empathy unless you build it upon connection, which also comes with trust. And all of this is like a big circle and I don't know where to jump onto it. <laughs> it's Charlotte going out with colleagues and everyday life is really important to build trust. And I think this year with two lockdowns in France and a lot of homework, I found it really hard to know how to be a good leader. And it hits me that it's very important to know people. Knowing and trusting your team and your colleagues is so important to react and better deal with the uncertainty in this kind of year. And I think in every challenge we face as a team. And another thing I wanted to share is that I also found it difficult as a leader to show my own vulnerability and try to help my team at the same time. I'm better at helping others than dealing with my own problems. But this year, at some point, it became impossible. I am now learning to also take care of myself to be able to better help others. And the example of Jacinda Ardern's leadership really helped me think about female leadership, embracing empathy and kindness. It was an amazing role model. It's Linda from New Zealand. I'd like to share what I've observed from our Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, who has, I believe, led with such empathy and compassion during both the COVID-19 crisis, as well as when New Zealand had its first terrorist event in our country. I like her view that it takes strength to be an empathetic leader and from her book uh, called I Know This To Be True, I'd just like to share a little quote in there which I think applies in this space. She said, we need our leaders to be able to empathise with the circumstances of others. 
to empathise with the next generation that we're making decisions on behalf of. And if we focus only on being seen to be the strongest, most powerful person in the room, then I think we lose what we're meant to be here for. So I'm profoundly focused on empathy because you can be both empathetic and strong, which I think is a really great attitude. And I've heard her also say this again in a different way as well, like in terms of the criticisms that she's faced, that she's not aggressive enough or assertive enough or maybe somehow because she's empathetic, she's weak, and that she totally rebels against that. She refuses to believe that you cannot be both compassionate and strong. I also think that her response to those mosque shootings was so powerful. In her book, she explains that when she felt she did at this time, it was reflecting back what she was seeing, which was an outpouring of grief and love for a community who gave that all back in return. Who are we to display anything other than love and kindness under those circumstances? Which is what New Zealand did. Hi, Cece here. I don't have an answer to your question today. I think it's really difficult. I've struggled personally so much. I, I feel like I'm losing my social abilities. I feel like I'm losing my empathy. I'm trying to keep hope. I think hope is something that we all can, I guess, share. And, you know, once there is hope, then one day we will be able to connect that that's how i see it but right now i do i struggle but i have a question uh, to you ladies about how do you deal with trust that once you've lost it how do you have you had um, a way to rebuild trust i mean recently you have had some working relationships which have kind of failed and i think it's been hard for us to rebuild that trust it's Priyanka. The question of rebuilding trust is very important. And I think the easiest and the most efficient solution is time. Just give time to the person to, you know, A, get over the reason why there was a lack of trust or the trust was broken and B, wait for a new opportunity to rebuild the trust on something else, a new project or a new collaboration. I mean, I keep having this with my own advisor all the time. And I just feel like with every new kind of problem, we were able to set aside past happenings and then just go forward with something new. And also it's very important to be able to forgive and forget even from your own side. For example, if you lose trust from someone's end, uh, you also are left with this bitter feeling. And if you're not able to get over that from your own side, you're unable to, you know, overcome uh, this exact feeling and move on to something different. This is Christina. I think when trust is broken, you have to jump back on Rachel's circle and go back to vulnerability and authenticity. And if it was an interesting question, because it's my mind immediately went to like, which way is the trust broken, right? Are you the one that broke someone else's trust or did someone else break your trust? And I think if the fault is yours, right? If you were the one that broke the trust, having that really authentic and vulnerable conversation where you acknowledge what you've done and say, you know, I understand that I made this mistake and this is why, um, I think that that can go a really long way. And again, continuing on the circle, going back to the empathy and saying like, I understand that when I did that, that may have felt this way, or you may have felt like this. Um, and extend the opportunity or the willingness to, to try to rebuild the trust or acknowledge that you want to rebuild the trust. Because I think that that's a lot of times people will just try to avoid it and just ignore it and hope that it kind of goes away. 
But I think that if you don't acknowledge that there was a problem, I think that it's really hard for someone to trust you again. And then on the other side, if someone, if someone else has broken your trust, obviously there's a huge spectrum of whether or not that is something that can be rebuilt, you know, the reason behind it, especially in today's time, I've been trying to remind myself regularly that everyone is, everyone is doing the best that they can. And so I kind of tell myself, everyone is doing the best that they can. So this is the best that that person can do. Why is that the best that they can do? And is that something that I can move forward with? This is Anna, and I absolutely agree with Christina. And it makes me think of a podcast episode by the amazing Brené Brown, where she talks with Harriet Lerner on how to apologize. It's been one of my absolute favorite episodes of her, which I've re-listened to and re-listened to because it's so painful, but it's so authentic and true. It's all about those moments in life where trust has been broken and uh, someone makes an apology, but... 99% of the time that apology is not ready, it's not real, it's not actually what either side needs or wants. And um, it's made me realize and reflect on a lot of situations where whether I broke the trust or my trust was broken, as you said, it takes time, first of all, to really reflect on and understand what actually happened. And Don't expect to, to build the trust again, to rebuild the trust, unless you are ready to say or ready to go into the conversation or to talk about the topic without being vengeful or without thinking, but there was something like, I'm sorry, but there was a part that was just, blah, blah, blah. Um, what is also quite essential is that some situations trust cannot be rebuilt in the same way that it was there before. Maybe that is a misconception that we think and we try so hard to rebuild trust in a way that everything is as it used to be before, as it was normal, but instead really learn from the situation and divert the, the, the path. And even if that means that you're not going to have the trust again with the two parties involved or many, many more parties, but to just make sure to take all the learnings possible from it and um, rebuild that trust somewhere else, I think is hard, but again, leads to so much more authenticity. I would just emphasize here in linking some of these themes together, you know, in the uh, final moments of our conversation today. And I just wanted to highlight for me, the fundamental dimension of building trust, but also to be able to lead, to be able to have really strong self-awareness about yourself does mean you're able to broker these tricky contexts and situations and at the heart of it all I think is empathy because when one is empathetic there are just heightened levels of self-consciousness awareness of others and a capacity to others have said it today to reach out and put yourself in someone else's shoes and I think as leaders that is something to continually work with I know it is for me Anna, you mentioned before, as someone early in the workplace, I think it's really great to be experimenting and practicing some of these things because you more than likely will inspire others who might be more experienced than you to see and observe how these realities can kind of unfold. So I just wanted to pull those threads together in finishing. 
Thanks for joining us for this special episode of the Discomfort Zone podcast, part of the HB5 Virtual Voyage. Today we've explored what leading with authenticity, vulnerability and empathy looks like, sounds like and feels like, and how this new leadership is important as we face global challenges, some of those wicked problems like climate change, and how leading as a human being can change the way that we interact with the people around us and can change the types of outcomes that are possible. See you next time.